Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. All right, we're going to be in Luke 15 today, and I have so much to tell you. <laughs> in Luke 15, you have course, Jesus telling a few parables, and, and uh, the interesting part is that at the beginning of, of Luke 15, you have Jesus coming to sit down and have some food with some people. And, uh, you know, of course, there are the tax collectors and the sinners, and then all of a sudden, there's some grumbling and complaining. And who do you think it's from? It's the religious people are grumbling and complaining. In Luke 15, 1, it says, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. It's like this, this guy, Jesus, he's speaking these things, and things are happening around him, and, and we want to hear. It didn't matter who they were. They just Everybody wanted to know what this was all about. And they wanted to hear Jesus. And then in verse 2, it says, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained. Man, why are religious people a bunch of complainers? I'm not necessarily calling you out. I'm calling out just a, a, a mentality, a way of being that sometimes Christians can get into. That, that they can become a part of this like religious mindset mentality and, and, and think that they have it all figured out. And so they complain, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Oh my gosh. He's sitting down to eat with sinners. So in the rest of this chapter, Jesus goes on to kind of Tell them in parable what he is doing and, and try to like explain it to him without explaining it to him. You know, it's like, I'm going to give you this story and if you can figure it out, you're going to really learn something. And so he, he goes on and he's like, listen, guys, you religious people, you scribes and Pharisees, like if any of you has a bunch of sheep and one, one runs away. Don't you take off and go looking for that sheep that's lost, the lost one. You don't stand there and do nothing or say, I'm not going to go near that sheep. It just ran away. You're going to go run after the sheep that got lost. And he says, and it's also like if somebody loses a coin and, and, and they stop everything and turn on the lights and, and, and look everywhere for it, and when they find it, they have a party and ask everybody to come over and say, look, I found my money. You know, it's always fun. You look through couches. I, anybody get excited about finding like quarters and dimes and nickels in couches? I do. Like, woo, I'll go get a soda. It's like, don't you, if you lost something, you want to go find it. You want to go bring that thing that is lost back. And then in verse 11, 
He starts to tell this parable about the lost son, the prodigal son. And in this story, there's two different people that he's talking about, and I've really been on both sides of it. Many of us may have been on both sides of this, and, you know, there's the one that's, that's lost, and there's the one that's there, that's been there, and has more of like a judgmental uh, mentality about him. And, and like I said, I've been, I've been in that place where I needed to come back to God and, and to rededicate my life. I've been in that place where I needed him to run out to me. And I've also been in that place where I thought that like everything was good and I had this relationship with God, but then I was being judgmental. I was looking at other people and saying, I can't believe you. How in the world does God accept you when you are looking like that, when you are living like that? And so whenever I read this story, I, I don't know, and hopefully for you too, it's, I, I see all of it, and I'm like, yep, that's me. doesn't matter which side of it it is. I want to hear it, and I want to learn from it. And in verse 11, he says, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. It's just like, hey, hey, give me my inheritance right now. I, I just don't really want to wait for it. Can you just go ahead and give it to me? He's getting a little restless, you know? Usually this happens way later. He's like, listen, I, I want what you're supposed to give me now, and I'm getting a little restless. And not only that, it goes on to say, so he divided to them his livelihood. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes you read a scripture and this one word just jumps out at you like it never has before. I know I've read that. But every, most of the other times that I've read this scripture, I'm thinking like the prodigal son. It's about the prodigal son. This is talking about the lost sheep, the, the one that that took his father's inheritance and ran away and squandered it. But that word there, it's them. So he divided to them his livelihood. He, he didn't just give it to the one that wanted it then. He said, here it is, all that I have. So Jesus is really telling us something, okay? He's, he's trying to speak to us in this parable. He's saying, both sons have everything that I have. Both sons have everything. Not many days after, this is verse 13, the younger son gathered all together, gathered everything he had. He journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. So all of a sudden, his restlessness turns to rebellion and just runs away. He's gone. It says to a far off country, he goes as far as he can from his father, saying like, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to live how I want to. It's going to be amazing. And it says prodigal living. You know that, that word prodigal means to be wasteful, 
to, to like spend or waste excessively. It's not to be a little bit wasteful, but to be excessively wasteful. I want you to remember that when we get down a little bit later. So all of a sudden, his restlessness turns into a rebellion. And then he comes to this point where he's off in a far country. And, and then it says in verse 14, But when he had spent all, he had just wasted all the money, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So now he's gone off, restless, then rebellious, then he's gone way out. He's like, I don't have money, so I'm going to have to do something. So he strives tries to do it on his own, right? He's like, okay, I need to do something, so I'm going to have to go get near somebody that can maybe help me out, or maybe they can, uh, you know, give me a job and help me work, and I can make some money, and, but nobody's really helping him out. But he's trying to do this on his own now. Now he's wasted his father's money. Now he's just trying to figure it out on his own. There's a famine. He doesn't have anything to eat, and now he's just looking at this pig trough saying, like, I might as well just eat what the pigs are eating because I have nothing to eat. And in verse 7, it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go up to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he goes now and he finds out that he can't do it on his own. And then there's remorse. And, it, and he's like, look, I have done this wrong. I need to turn around and go back. Jesus is giving us a picture of what it's like when we run away from him. He's showing us, he's saying, look, th this is what happens. This is what it looks like. You have everything that you need, but you've tried to go do it on your own. You, try, you think that you don't need the God who created you to come and to be a help to you, to be your Lord and your Savior. You just think that it's just, it's just easy to do it on your own. But he realizes that he can't. He hit rock bottom. Like he just hit rock bottom. Like too many times we have to hit rock bottom before we can actually realize that we, don't, we can't do it on our own, you know? And, and I'm sorry to say that it's just the way it is for most of us. Like it just takes getting to the place that we realize it is impossible, that we need Him, that we need our Heavenly Father, that we need Christ in our lives. So he gets up. He gets up and he says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion 
and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. So now he's repenting of what he's done. Right? Jesus has given us this picture of what it is to run away, to come back. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. See, before, so his son comes back, he's the lost son, he comes back and, and his father sees him afar off, right? God sees us, even when we're far off. And when he sees us out there, and he sees us turn around and say, I need something different, I need to come back. I need my heavenly father. He sees us far off, we turn around, and he sees us and has compassion on us. He looks at us with compassion. He says, I see. He didn't just see him with compassion and stand there and wait for him to come. But when his son turned around, starts to come back, his father saw him, had so much compassion. He ran. He ran to his son, his lost son. And it says he fell on his neck. You could see this, you know, like, come on, if you will, like, Look, look at this with me. Like in real life, a father running to his son. It's not like anger. He's not mad at him. He took half of everything that he had. He took his inheritance and he wasted it. He ran off and squandered it. Excessively wasteful. And he turned around, and one of the fathers, he looked at him with compassion, and he ran. And I could just see, I could just see the son coming. I mean, probably if it was me, when it was me, you know, you're like, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I wasted, I, I tried it on my own, I, I did the wrong things, I, I lost everything, I don't know what to do. And, and the father's running to him. As he comes. Can you imagine? Not running with a bat, getting ready to beat him up, but running and grabs him as he fell on his neck. You can imagine him, the tears coming out of his eyes. He just grabs him and hugs him. And that's how God is what they say. This is, this is a picture right here. And when we come to him, that God comes, he meets us. He meets us and grabs us, grabs hold and falls onto us and says, I love you so much. I love you. But when the son was saying, look, I shouldn't be called your son anymore, and he was going to say, just make me one of your servants, but the father just gets in there and he says, listen, hey, everybody, Somebody bring me a robe. Somebody bring me a ring. Come on, my son's home. He doesn't even get the chance to say, I will just be a servant. And his father says, you're not a servant, you're a son. Yeah. 
you're not my servant, you're my child. You're my kid, and I love you so much. And I bring you back into this place of relationship as my son. So there's reconciliation. Then we get to the other half of this story. You have the other son that actually got half of his father's possessions. He got his inheritance too that he was supposed to get. But he stayed there, was still doing the diligent thing and working, still part of the family. And it says when the son was out in the field, he was there, he heard all the celebration, the singing, the, the dancing, all the stuff that was happening. And he asked somebody, he's like, hey, what's going on? They said, your father's son has come home. So we're celebrating. We're having a party. He's come home. He was dead, but now he's alive again. We thought he was completely lost, but now he's come back. So your father has killed the fatted calf. And in this moment of this parable, Jesus is talking about those religious leaders, about those people with that mindset that, hey, I've part of the, I've been here. I've been serving you, God, and, and I've been following all your rules, all these things that you've been commanding me to. I've been here. How dare you go out and help that person that has been squandering what you gave them? How dare you? Like, how, how is it that you're going to go if somebody's been out there sinning and doing all this stuff that is hurtful to you, and you're going to go and run out and grab them and give them back everything? See, <laughs> so many times Jesus' words to the Pharisees were not that nice. But in this moment, in this parable, it's interesting because Jesus kind of changes it and tells and it, he, he, he really gives a picture of how, in a different way, but it's the same thing as the lost son. There's one that's lost, but then one that's really doesn't understand who he is or what he has and is really being excessively wasteful with what God has, God has given him too. And it's so interesting, at the beginning of this chapter, you see the Pharisees, scribes, these religious guys standing out, outside, just complaining about what's going on inside. And now you have in this parable, the son, the older son that stayed there, standing outside, just complaining about what's going on inside. And it's a perfect picture of these Pharisees. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, listen, I'm going to tell you a parable right now. And it's about you. In verse 28, the older son, it says, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. 
So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, and I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat, not even a fatted calf. You never even gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, Killed the fatted calf for him? And here you see in this moment, Jesus telling. Now this older son, he's been here. But what is his relationship to his father? Because whenever he's talking to his father and he's saying, listen, I've been here. And I've been serving you. Not realizing that I am your son and I'm not a servant, but I've been serving thinking that you're some slave driver, some slave master making me serve all this time. I didn't see myself as a son. I saw myself as a servant. And I never transgressed your commandment, your commandments that you have commanded, that he is coming and commanding all this stuff from this older son. Now, do we think that that is really what's going on? No. But you see that the son didn't realize who he was either. He didn't realize what he had either and was being wasteful with it. saw his father as just a command giver, somebody just yelling commands. Saw his father as just a slave driver, not a father. But I want to take in here in verse 28 and then 31 and see a couple of things that we can pull out of what Jesus spoke to this older son. In the same way, I love this, in the same way that he came out and came to the lost son, he comes out, he comes to the older son that was having an attitude. And verse 28 says, but he was angry and wouldn't go in. Therefore, his father came out. His father came out to him. It's so interesting because so many times we can see ourselves. Maybe we've been reading our Bible, studying, praying, doing all these things. We can see ourselves as something different than somebody else. That, that we've done all these things to be in this right place. Not realizing that it's not what we do to be in this place, but it's what God did. To be in this place. The only reason we're here is because of what he's done. The only things that I do is because of what he's done. The only way, the only reason, the only strength, it all comes because of him, because of who he is and what he's done for me. And if I see this, look, I've been, I told you I've been in this place, but look, I've been here. I've been working hard. I've been doing the good thing. 
I haven't messed up. can't believe this person over here. Look at how crazy they are. Look at what all the stuff they're doing. Not realizing that we are actually just as far off from the Father as the one that ran away. We are just as far away from the relationship that we are supposed to have with the Father when we're in that place of being judgmental, of being, I think I deserve something because of who I have been and, and that I've done the right thing. But both of them need the father, needed the Father to come out. Both of them needed the Father to come and meet them to restore a relationship with Him. And the Father pleaded with Him. You know what's interesting? <laughs> Is that the prodigal son ran away, squandered all this stuff, right? And he came to this point, right? Rock bottom. He came to this point where he realized what he had done. But the son that had stayed there, that had been there with his father, it was a lot harder for him to come to the point where he realized what he had done. Too many times when we feel like we've been just doing the right thing, we get hardened in our ways and don't actually come to that place of repentance. And I believe that Jesus is giving us this picture saying that we need to come to a place, no matter where we are, if it's far off, running away, squandering everything, or staying here and getting hardened to our relationship with Him. We all need to come to the place of repentance. Come back into that relationship that we're supposed to have with Him. But it says His Father pleaded with Him. His father had to plead with him to break through that hardness that had grown, that calloused heart that had grown in him, and he pleaded with him. And then in verse 31, and he said to him, son, Son. You know, it translates son here, but this, this word, I think it's, it's technon. And it means child. He's, he's saying, my child, which is not like a derogatory form. He's coming. I, and I, I see this even just as it was with the one that had run away, the son that had run away, he comes and he's saying, and I just imagine the tears running down his face saying, my child, do you realize that, that you're my child? You just told me that you see me as a slave driver and that I've just given you commandments and that I'm being so hard on you, but that's not ever what I wanted for you, what I wanted for you to feel. 
and I've never treated you that way, and I'm sorry that you felt that from me, but I want to tell you that you're my child, that you're my son, that I care for you. You're not like some hired servant that is just here to do things for me. You're not just one of these people that that just does tasks to get into my good graces, but you're my son, you're my child, and I love you. He says, and son, you are always with me. You are always with me. I see this and I think, man, so many times, even when we've been coming to church, even when we've been in this relationship and haven't run away, that we don't realize that we have been always with Him, that He has always been with us. And you're like, why, God? Seems like you're doing all this great stuff. For that guy that ran away and squandered everything. And, and, you know, it doesn't seem like you even, you know, killed a small little goat for me. He says, but you've always been with me. We've been together. Do you understand and can you realize that we've been together? And not only that, all that I have is yours. Everything, there's so many times that we, we come to church, we like, you know, having this relationship with God, and then we're standing around complaining, standing around saying, well, why isn't this happening, or why isn't that happening? God, I don't even know if you're here. And he's saying, listen, you've, you're my son, you're my child, and I'm here all the time with you. I've been with you. And not only that, everything that I have is yours. And you're asking me, it's like, you didn't even give me a goat because I'm waiting here, you know, waiting here because you're so hard on me. And, you know, I just, I'm trying to follow your commands and, and you know, and be like one of your servants and you won't even kill this little goat for me. And what his dad says, his, his father says, all I have is yours. Then I imagine that... Father's like a a little a little goat. I, I mean, you could have killed ten calves and had a party. You could have been living with me in freedom. You could have been living with me in the strength of who I am, doing just ruling and reigning with me. Right? This is yours too. All of this stuff. All this stuff that's mine, it's yours too. Don't look at it like it's just mine and I'm just going to give you little crumbs and pieces of it. You're my son. It's all yours. (laughs) So he comes out to him. And grabs hold of him and pleads with him, saying, just come in. You know, one of the other things that it says, this son, 
You know, it's interesting. It says this son, when he's talking to his dad and he's saying, you never even gave me this goat. But then he also says, you know, you didn't give me this goat so I can have a party with my friends. And I see that as, as a way that Jesus is saying so, so many times we want these things of God, but we want them for our own stuff, you know, to party with our friends, not to party with him, not to do this thing with him, not to have this celebration with him, but to give for our own gain or something, you know, like I want to have this party and be celebrating people looking like, woo, this son killed the fatted calf and he's having a party. Look at him. Because it's not about looking at us, it's about looking to the Father, right? The party was because the Father was so happy, not because the Son did something great to get the party. The celebration because, was because the Father was so happy, because He was rejoicing, because His Son had come home. It's not a party for us. It's a party for him. So as I share this today, I, I just, I plead with you, no matter where you're at, which side of this you're at right now, or maybe you're not on a side and you're right in the, in the space, but I always want to question myself and say, God, am I on one of these sides? Am I running away from you or am I too comfortable and taking advantage of you? Or am I seeing you like a slave master instead of a father? I don't ever want to see myself as doing it the right way and being perfect. So I believe with you today is just see this scripture and see this and say, God, God, I'm turning to you today and I know that you're going to run out to me, no matter who or which one of these sons I am, that you'll run out and throw yourself at me. Put your head on my shoulder and cry with me and bring me back to the place that I need to be. Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.